This episode is sponsored by Code Health. Code connects healthcare providers to the largest community of medical coding professionals in the country with over 4,600 domestic certified coders. As a single stop for all coding needs, Code's on-demand model has solved for daily staffing challenges and coding inefficiencies by allowing providers to access the right coder at the right time while gaining insights to better manage their coding operations. To learn more about Code, visit CodeHealth.com, that's K-O-D-E Health.com, or email Code directly at partnerships at CodeHealth.com. A year-end wrap-up from HFMA's editorial staff, today on the Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Erica Grotto. It's been an eventful year at HFMA to say the least. As an association, we hit an all-time membership high of 100,000 and welcomed a new president and CEO. As an editorial team, we put out some of our best content and even won some awards for it, not to mention adding a brand new podcast. So today I'm talking with the members of the editorial team about some of the highlights. But first, I couldn't do a year-end wrap-up without a segment from Nick and Sean. We'll be back in a moment with the top news stories of 2023. This is Sean Stack, HFMA's Director of Perspectives and Analysis, and I'm excited to tell you about our new bi-monthly webinar series designed specifically for hospital executives. HFMA will provide timely updates on the latest national healthcare reimbursement and revenue cycle regulations, policies, and trends. This series will equip you with the knowledge and insights you need to navigate the complex world of your healthcare business office. You can register now at hfma.org under webinars. Hello, everybody. So this is a special year in review episode of the podcast. And in keeping with that theme, we're going to be discussing the year that was in healthcare policy. We'll try to keep things nice and succinct because there's a lot of great content coming up from some of our HFMA content team colleagues. But zooming out to a societal level, the pandemic receded more into the background for a lot of people this past year. Certainly providers and public health stakeholders are still keeping a wary eye on the potential for surges and new variants. But you didn't hear nearly as much about any huge waves of new cases. Last year at this time, we had the triple-demic of viruses causing havoc. So in that sense, this year has largely been a nice respite. Sean, what would you say your your 30,000-foot view of the state of the industry is as we close out 2023? I mean, I think that we're seeing definitely a better environment for clinical staffing than we were. Still very stressed. You know, staffing across the board in health systems is still pretty lean, continuing to focus on AI coming out of the year to replace some of the shortages in staff and offset some of the quality issues in billing and follow-up and denials. Um, So a lot of challenges still there, but yes, um, even though operating on razor-thin margins, a little bit more stable than we were going into 2023 for certain. I still think folks are still somewhat concerned over the end of the pandemic you know, Medicaid churn, administrative denials are still up in a lot of states, and we still see, we're still going to see some fallout, even going into 2024 with Medicaid churn. 
So still a lot to do, but yes, much better than we were coming into the year, I think. Just to amplify a couple of the points you made, according to data from folks like Kaufman Hall and, and Centellus Performance Solutions, margins actually dip below zero in July, but otherwise, while they're not the type of margins we tended to see before the pandemic, they're better than what was seen, especially in 2022. Labor costs seem to be stabilizing, although since apparently life can never be too easy in the realm of healthcare finance, supply costs and drug costs have been accelerating recently. Um, I attended a talk at KPMG's Chicago office recently, and one of the uh, takeaways was that those costs may yet prove to be the type of structural systemic issue that labor costs have been. And the Medicaid unwinding, th those redeterminations, quite frankly, have not gone very well, even probably worse than people were fearing they might, you know, going into them. Kaiser Family Foundation reported as of, I think the day before we recorded this segment, that more than 11 million people had seen their coverage terminated. And about 71% of those terminations happened because of procedural reasons, rather than because a person was actually determined to be ineligible. So it's just causing a lot of chaos. And it's just kind of been a mess, especially in some markets. We want to thank all of you for listening throughout the year. And certainly for those of you in the healthcare industry, thank you for all that you do to serve your communities and a very happy holiday season to all of you. We'll be right back. Now I'd like to welcome to the podcast, HFMA's Director of Content, Brad Dennison. Hi, Brad. Hey, Erica. It's been a very busy year for us, hasn't it? Has been a busy year. A lot going on, a lot flying around. You know, I am hey, really proud of this year's content. HFM Magazine, I think, has had a banner year, a lot of great cover stories there. Healthcare 2030, one of our most popular reports ever, closed out this year. So the four final editions of that after a good three-year run, that's all out there now. Very proud of that. E-newsletters are doing great. Podcasts are doing great. Editorial team here has won about 50 regional and national awards since 2020. We had another good year twice now over the past three or four years. We've been selected as a best in show. I mean, people go their whole lives and, and don't get to experience that. And, and we've done it twice, including our most recent best in show, which was a Voices episode that, that you ran. Yeah, that was a really exciting one. Um, it was about paperwork issues for transgender folks. And I was actually able to get the guest who was in that episode back on the podcast. So I'll share both of those in the show notes if anybody cares to listen. Definitely worth a listen. But hey, uh, you know what everybody wants to talk about, though, when I'm out and about at events with HFMA people, just take a guess. Oh, it's got to be blame game. It's the healthcare blame game. That's what people want to talk about. And actually, I was reflecting on this before we recorded. And it was about this time of the year last year that you and I started kicking that concept around. So we debuted in April with that KFF piece uh, that you also put in the show notes. You know, after that, we had a Washington Post piece that actually got a correction. We launched the podcast as well alongside the blog. I would say you'd probably agree with me. We've been finding our way in 2023. And so, you know, it's not like it's been coming out every month or every other week, but we do expect a more consistent flow in 2024. So I think we're finding our way with it. 
Yeah, I definitely think so too. And I am very excited about some of the topics that we've got on our list and some of the recordings we've got planned. So that's going to be a really exciting thing to share come 2024. Yeah. And it's a thing I think the organization HFMA is proud of, you know, our chair, Dennis Dolan, who's also the CFO of Mayo Clinic. It was part of his message at AC. And it's a thing that he's talking about as he's on the road with chapters this fall. And, you know, frankly, as he gets around the country and spreads the word, I keep getting more and more ideas in my inbox. So it's a show I'm really proud of. I think the best is yet to come. But at its heart, it's less a show about healthcare and more a show about accuracy. So how much do we want to tell the audience about what to expect in 2024? You know, I think something that's going to be front and center for us next year is going to be payment and making the payment process and system better for the consumer. So you can expect a report from us in the first half of the year that I think is going to be very, very good. And we're already starting to plan content for next year with HFM Magazine and other projects that we have. So I'm kind of excited about the slate of cover stories that that should be in the works shortly. So yeah, really looking forward to another successful year here with the HFMA editorial team. Awesome. Well, thanks for stopping by the podcast today and giving your update. Thanks, Brad. Thank you. And it must have been a real thrill to talk to me today. So you're welcome. (laughs) I am leaving that in. So a minute ago, you heard Brad talking about the end of our three-year run of Healthcare 2030, but I thought it'd be a good idea to revisit the series. So I invited senior editor Paul Barr here to talk about it. Hey, Paul. Hey, how are you? I'm great. Um, I'm a little sad that Healthcare 2030 is going away. All of these reports from the last three years, still really relevant, really useful. If you were visiting these reports for the first time, where would you start? I would start in the first year because that really lays the groundwork for everything that's happening in healthcare, looking at the CFO of the future, how the CFO's job is changing, and then looking at just workforce, consumer expectations, strategic investment. That's the four topics of the first year. Personally, I would read the second year, all four of them as well. And one that got a lot of attention is about restoring trust in healthcare. That is something we're still looking at as an organization in terms of how we can help providers deal with that problem. So the the year three topics sort of reflect on the second year. They're more advanced looks at how health care is headed in the direction of providing value-based care and preventive care, but not really to the needs of employers who feel like value-based care is failing. The last two parts of the series are about social determinants of health, which is still a big issue. And then the last one is about personalized care or personalized medicine. And that is about as far away as you can get from financial matters. But in the end, it is a financial issue that people are going to be interested in. Yeah. So we're recording this at the end of November. This episode will come out in December. So if that last report is out at that time, we'll be sure to include the link in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, you can find them all at hfma.org and then click on guidance and click on Healthcare 2030. Paul Barr, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me.
I am excited to welcome senior editor Crystal Malazzo to the podcast. Crystal, you do an awful lot at HFMA, but you're here to talk about something that I, I think might be one of your favorites. Yeah. Thanks, Erica, for inviting me to be on the program. I do want to talk about one of my favorite things, and, and that is HFMA's chapter news column that appears in each issue of HFM. Now, I may be a bit biased, but I really do believe these features are a very important part of what we do. HFMA is a national membership organization, after all, and it has a healthy chapter structure. There are 59 of them out there actively working to provide our members with the tools and resources they need to do their jobs. And that includes things like providing issue updates, educational programs, networking opportunities, social events, and even the chance to get involved in local service projects that benefit the community. Highlighting and publicizing this work in our national publication calls attention to it. It also inspires other chapters and it provides the individuals featured with professional and personal recognition. Yeah, I, I love talking with people at events, members. I love hearing about what chapters are doing because every chapter has kind of its own culture, right? Like they're all different. Yeah, they definitely do. For example, you know, some of the chapter news projects that we um, covered in 2023 included the South Texas chapter's first ever women's leadership conference. It not only exceeded their attendance expectations, but they also raised funds for a local nonprofit that supports the foster care community. Another one that we featured was the Puerto Rico chapter's recent signing of a collaborative agreement with Puerto Rico's College of Health Services Administrators. This was significant as all healthcare administrators in Puerto Rico, including CEOs, CMOs, CFOs, and other professionals who work in healthcare settings, they're all required to have an academic degree hold a professional license, and be a member of that college. We also covered the Maryland chapter's Inclusion and Equity in Healthcare Conference, which they hosted jointly with the Baltimore chapter of the National Association of Health Services Executives. That collaboration it modeled a desired behavior amongst the participants because the conference focus was on the importance of collaboration and partnerships to close disparity gaps and, and ensure health equity. At the human interest side of the spectrum, there was the story of the grandfather who had the opportunity to witness his grandson being installed as president of the Nebraska chapter, an office the grandfather himself had held 46 years earlier. Now, who doesn't love a story like that? Awesome. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. Thank you, Erica. It's been a pleasure. Now I am excited to welcome to the podcast, Eric Reese. Hi, Eric. Hi, Erica. It's great to be here with you. You know, you've been at HFMA a long time. We have members who have been at HFMA a long time. We have some newer members. And even in my relatively short time at HFMA, I have seen the magazine change quite a bit. Do you want to talk about what we do with the magazine? If you haven't picked up an issue in a while, what you can expect? The way that magazine has evolved is one of the reasons why we've been recognized so much. We have diversified the content. We still have the expert reviewed content, but uh, in the past, that was kind of like the centerpiece of the magazine. It was much closer to the journal style. Now we have a lot more articles that are 
written as cover stories, for example, where we interview industry experts, thought leaders. We did have those kinds of articles in the past, but now they're kind of like the centerpiece of each issue. I think that we've really expanded the member-focused offerings that we have. I guess in a nutshell, I would just say it's just that it's it's much more diverse in its content. There's like obviously also the news parts and the array of columnists is broader. So that's what I would highlight. And it's certainly working for us, given all the accolades that the magazine has received over the last couple of years. Well, I'm really excited to see what's coming in 2024. So Eric, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks. It was a pleasure. And yes, we have a lot already in the works for the next year. Next, I would like to welcome Deb Filipek, who curates three news stories every week for our Healthcare News of Note blog. Deb, this is content that's regularly getting a lot of hits on our website. You're covering a lot of really interesting topics. But there's one that you said was really top of mind with readers, and it's definitely something that I've talked about on the podcast. It's resonated with our listeners, and that is workforce. Tell me about workforce. Sure, Erica. Workforce-related stories was the hot topic this year. That makes sense given the results of an August PwC Pulse survey that indicated 82% of healthcare executives saw talent acquisition and retention as the industry's main risk. So the three blog items that were top of mind for readers were the February 20 blog post, Seven Hospitals Earn a Press Ganey Award for Outstanding Nursing Quality. The interest in the topic was of no surprise at the time when hospitals and other healthcare facilities were still coming to grips with the continued nursing shortage. Yet here in this story were seven hospitals earning a prestigious nursing award. The January 30th blog post, 100 hospitals receive funding for new physician residency slots, also earn reader engagement. The story, which reported on CMS awarding 200 Medicare-funded physician residency slots, likely provided a glimmer of better things to come at a time when providers knew these shortages, especially in rural areas, would continue. The July 21 piece about healthcare organizations continuing to deal with turnover and workforce shortages revealed both physicians and nurses were continuing to plan to leave their current healthcare organizations. According to class research survey results, physicians who indicate they are very likely to leave their organization are 15 times more likely to actually leave compared to those who report being very unlikely to leave. 36% of hospital nurses responding to an AMN healthcare survey in the same blog post said they would continue working as nurses but seek a new place of employment. I'm sure this is not the last we will hear about workforce. It'll be interesting to see how those types of survey results change in 2024 and beyond. Thank you so much for coming and talking about this. You cover such interesting topics and we will include some links in the show notes for people to see. Great. Thank you again, Erica. Voices in Healthcare Finance is a production of the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Additional reporting and editing are by Nick Hutt, Sean Stack, and the HFMA editorial team. 
Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is the director of content. Our president and CEO is Ann Jordan. I need as much help as I can get. <laughs>